Amen. Please join me as we prepare to worship for our responsive reading titled Revelation, printed in your worship folder and on the screen. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there were no frequent visions. In the middle of the night, in the brightness of the day, be attentive to the voices that call your name. The word became flesh and dwells among you, full of grace and truth. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to everyone. We're glad that you are here on this cold winter morning, but uh, it's good to be in a warm building uh, with warm fellowship, and we're glad that you're here this morning. We welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us, and uh, we hope that you'll feel a part of our family as we worship God together this morning. Uh, A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on, the, on each row. There's a, uh, a folder, and we'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out and check the appropriate box and give us your name and address and email address. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter each week, uh, give us your email address, and we'll be sure to put you on the list there. Uh, also, you will find in that folder that there is a, a sign-up sheet for our Supper 8 group, 
Uh, we're going to try to revise that or revive that again um, this year at the beginning of the year. And, um, and if you'd like to be a part of that, please put your name on there and some contact information. And what this basically is, it's an opportunity for us to, uh, to get to know each other a little bit better and to fellowship together. And if you sign up, basically what you're committing to is to host the group of people at your home, um, a group of six or eight people at your home for supper one night. And in return, you will be hosted by the other people in, group, in the group in their homes as well. And like I said, the, the purpose of this is just to get to know each other a little bit better and to fellowship together. And I hope we'll get a lot of people to sign up for that and be a part of that. Um, this is the beginning of the year, and so we are, we are beginning things anew, and the different ministry teams will be... Uh, uh, be meeting in, the, in this next month, and uh, so if you're a part of one of the ministry teams, look for your meeting time to come up uh, very shortly as the chair people of your teams will be calling meetings. And we have uh, one other announcement. Um, you see in your bulletin that we're going to be having a Valentine's banquet in which the ladies will be cooking dinner for the, uh, for the men, and I have seen the menu of that, and men, we have something great to look forward to, uh, but in regards to that, Christine, I believe, wants to uh, give us a little explanation because we're going to be doing something else that night as well. Good morning. Oh, I'm sorry. As you remember, the Valentine's dinner, uh, the reason we're doing that is because we had the Harvest Challenge. Oh, it's because you love it. <laughs> <laughs> and we promised we'd fix dinner for whoever the uh, victor was, and the men have won. So now everyone is invited to the dinner, not just men. Everyone in the church is invited to the dinner. So we hope that you will, you will come. That's Sunday, February 13th at 530. But the ladies will be preparing that dinner and serving that meal and uh, taking care of everything in preparation for that. Now, in, uh, in connection with that, you probably got a brochure this morning. Uh, this is for our... Uh, CBC time and talent auction and what we're asking you to do we normally have our consignment sale each year the women's mission group has decided not to do a consignment sale this year instead we're going to have our time and talent auction each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in the service of others so use your gifts well and you might say well, I don't have a special gift well i guarantee you if you ask a family member or a close friend they can let you know what a gift has that they do not possess and i was kind of thinking about it um we had talked about this last week and sybil keach had already said well she would auction off uh doing someone's tax return uh, my husband and i we go to sybil every year to get our taxes done anyway so why wouldn't we bid upon some something like that maybe a lot of you go somewhere and have your taxes done um I thought about Larry White whenever I was working on this. Uh, you know, he smokes and fixes some of the best meat in Henderson County. You know, maybe he would say, well, I'm going to auction. I'll do your ham for Christmas and your turkey for Thanksgiving or something like that. Uh, Beth Vincent, you, you can also do a class. And she does some wonderful scrapbooking. You know, maybe she'd say, well, I'll do a scrapbooking <laughs> class. <laughs> These are, just, these are just suggestions, just suggestions. <laughs> uh, of course, my, my talent is telling everybody else what to do. <laughs> uh, Phyllis McElwain came to mind. She does some beautiful, beautiful floral arrangements. You know, that might be something... The one, there's only one rule to this, and the rule is it cannot be a purchased item because your time and talent is not something that you've purchased. That's something that God has given to you. So we ask that it be an item that you personally have uh, prepared or something that you can donate your time to do. Uh, Susan Hobbs, she does some beautiful needlework. She's uh, fortunately came to our women's mission auction several years and, and uh allowed us to bid upon some of her things. Patricia Bartlett, she made some beautiful jewelry for our women's auction this year. 
So if you can't think of what your talent is, I guarantee you somebody in your, your family or a friend of yours can, can help you along. Now there was a form uh, that was inserted there, and this is what we ask you to fill out with your donation. We'll have a, set, a table set up in the back next Sunday, and it will have a sheet attached to each donation where people can start making their bids. This is a silent auction, so you can go ahead. As soon as we start getting some sheets on the table, you can make your bids. We ask that you be very, very specific. If you say, okay, I'm going to prepare lunch one Sunday for six people at my home at 1230 after church, uh, and the menu will be, and it will be on this specific Sunday. Be very specific. It's like a Toe Frank night. If he says he'll come out and mow your yard three times in the summer, he wants to make sure that your yard isn't 10 acres, okay? <laughs> so be very specific about what your donation is. And do we want to go ahead and greet? Okay, and the preacher says we're ready to greet, so welcome to everybody. You can stand and greet. I see the beauty of a sunset's glory, amazing artistry across the evening sky. When I feel the mystery of a distant galaxy, it awes and humbles me to be loved by a God so high. What can I do but thank you? What can I do but give my life to you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What can I do but praise you? Every day make everything I do. Hallelujah. 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 story of a God of mercy who shared humanity and suffered by our side of the cross they nailed you to could not hold you now you're making all things new by the power of your risen life what can I do but thank you, what can I do but give my life to you? Hallelujah, hallelujah, what can I do but praise you? Every day make everything I do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What can I do but thank you? What can I do but give my life to you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. What can I do but praise you? Every day make everything I do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All God's people said. Are we hot? Are we hot? Good morning, children. Come on down. Come on down, children. Come on down, children. I'm not going to bite you. At least not right now. Come on up here. I'm not going to bite you. Seriously. Come on up here. Sit down. Have a seat. Good morning. How are y'all doing? You doing okay? Come on. Okay. 
man, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, all nothing but smiles. You're probably wondering what in the world I'm doing with this stick with a leaf on it, aren't you? Well, I'm going to have Alexa try to reach up and get that leaf. Give a shot. Come on. Come on. I'm just teasing you, aren't I? Oh, okay. Can't reach it, can you? Well, Brad, come on up here. Reach it. Come on. Yeah, go for it. Oh, come on. Oh, almost. All right. Well, I believe with a little bit of help, with a little bit of help, somebody's going to be able to reach that. Now, do you trust your father? Yes. What? Yes. You do? Okay. Do you love your father? Yes. Do you believe in your father? Yes. Wonderful. Brad, pick your daughter up. Give her a shot. Try to reach up here again. Ah, come on, you can do it. All right. Woohoo! Good job. Well, sometimes we have this enlightening moment, this little idea in our head that finally goes off and says, you know, how do we get to heaven? Sometimes we just can't do it by ourselves. Just like she couldn't turn around and grab that leaf by herself. Sometimes we need some help. Well, Jesus Christ is our help to get to heaven. And sometimes you just have to believe and you have to trust and you have to love Jesus Christ to get to heaven. Does that make sense? Any, any questions? Did you want to touch that leaf? I know you did. <laughs> um, Come on up here, Mercedes. She has a little gift for you, okay? It's a craft, all right? So after church, you all can make craft, all right? So it's as simple as that. No whistles, no bells. Just believe in Jesus Christ, and you'll get to heaven. Thank you. Go ahead. really watching that stick. I didn't want you to ask me to touch it. <laughs> Today our scripture will be taken out of Luke. If you have your Bibles, you can sure turn to it. It's Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 16 and verse 21 through 22. If not, look at your overhead. Follow along. <clears throat> As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered, all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened up and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. May God have blessing upon the hearing and the reading of his holy word. May we pray. We pray thee, loving God, that as you have graciously given us delight from the words of thy knowledge, in doing so that you would mercifully grant us to attain one day the fountain of all wisdom and to appear forever before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for all you give us. And may we honor you by giving you the first part of all our income. And have the faith that you will fill our barns and overflow our vats with wine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful song that is. Thank you so much. There is a wonderful story about a young man who was dating a very attractive girl. So one Sunday after church, he took her on a picnic, and being the romantic that he was, the young man had made arrangements to rent a rowboat. His plan was to row to a small island on their favorite lake and enjoy a lunch, which he had made himself. But since he was not accustomed to making lunches, he had forgotten to pack several items. And so his attractive girlfriend said, you know, it might be nice if we had some salt and some ketchup and some napkins. So without hesitation, the young man got back into his rowboat and rowed back to the shore to get these missing items. Well, this routine happened two more times that afternoon. He rode back to the shore to retrieve some item that he had forgotten, which his girlfriend had requested. And by the end of the, the extremely warm day, he had perspired so much that his good suit was soaking wet. But he realized something that afternoon. He realized that there must be a better way. The young man's name by the name was, by the way, it was Clarence Evanrude. 
Later that very evening, he didn't waste any time. That evening, he designed the world's first outboard motor for a boat. And so an industry was born because a young man had fallen head over heels in love with a young woman who kept making requests of him. Sometimes we call this a eureka moment, and sometimes we call it an epiphany, a moment of life-changing realization. Let me tell you another story about a little boy named Benny. Benny grew up in a single-parent home. Benny's mother, Sonia, had been raised in foster homes. She only had a third-grade education and was married by the time she was 13. But after getting married, Sonia discovered, much to her dismay, that her husband was already married and had five other children. But by this time, she had two little boys to raise, Benny and his younger brother. And so now she wondered, what was she to do? Well, I'll tell you what she did. She worked at two, sometimes three jobs at a time to provide for her boys. And not surprisingly, Benny experienced a lot of hardship at school. He eventually fell to the, to the bottom of his class. In fact, until he, he got into junior high school, Benny was convinced that he was stupid. His nickname was Dummy. And to complicate things further, Benny developed a, a violent and uncontrollable temper. But Sonia did not give up on her son. She was determined to turn his life around. So she began to require him to read two books a week and to write reports on the books that he read. He didn't realize at the time that his mother herself could barely read. But Sonia's disability did not keep her from putting marks on her son's papers. She limited his TV viewing and and soon Benny amazed his teachers and his classmates with his improvement. It was at that moment that I realized that I was not stupid, he later recalled. Within a year, he was at the top of his class. And after this eureka moment, this epiphany that he was not stupid, Benny went on to Yale, to the University of Michigan Medical School. And at the age of 32, Dr. Benjamin Carson became the youngest surgeon in the nation to hold the position of director of pediatric neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins University. Clarence Evanrude one afternoon saw the need for a motor on a rowboat. At the age of 11, Benjamin Carson realized that he was no dummy. One more quick story. In 1927, At the age of 32, a young man named Buckminster Fuller was standing on the shores of Lake Michigan. He was intent on committing suicide that day by throwing himself into the freezing waters of that great lake. His first child had died. He was bankrupt. He was discredited. He was jobless. He had a wife and a newborn daughter, yet he felt hopeless. But suddenly, as he stood there, he had a eureka moment. He realized suddenly that his life did not belong to him, but to others. And so he chose that moment to embark upon an experiment to discover what a little penniless, unknown individual might be able to accomplish on behalf of humanity. He thought, if my life belongs not to myself, but to others, then what can I do for others? Over the next 54 years, he became one of America's greatest architects and designers and inventors. Imagine that. A man who was bankrupt, discredited, jobless, and about to commit suicide. And he has this eureka moment. My life does not belong to me. It belongs to others. Clarence Evanrude realized that there must be a better way. Benjamin Carson realized that he was not stupid. Buckminster Fuller realized that he existed to serve humanity. This day on the church calendar is the first Sunday in the season of Epiphany. 
And this should be a time of new beginnings, new understandings, new ideas about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And we have all probably experienced our own eureka moments at some point in our lives. It's something that is common to all of humanity. It is an experience of sudden clarity and understanding, a sudden sense of direction. The word eureka comes from the Greek word evrisko, which literally means I found it. So it's often used to describe a situation in which someone suddenly finds an answer and that gives purpose and meaning to their lives. We often ask people who have made extraordinary accomplishments or someone who has overcome uh, difficult circumstances, when was it that you first realized? We ask that question in different forms. For example, when was it that you first realized that help was on its way? The, re- the TV reporter asked someone who had just been rescued. Or perhaps in a different setting. When was it that you first realized that your life was empty and without purpose? Or when was it that you first realized that the game was won? It's a familiar question that we hear fairly frequently. When was it that you first realized that you were growing up? When was it that you first realized that your marriage was in trouble? That it it was time to allow your daughter to make her own decisions? The moment of realization, the, the eureka experience, the time of epiphany, what a powerful moment that is. One morning in 1888, Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, the man who had spent most of his life amassing a, a huge fortune from the manufacture and sales of, of weapons, he awoke one morning to read in the newspaper his own obituary. Now that'll wake you up, folks. The obituary was printed as the result of an error. For you see, Arthur's brother had died and the reporter had carelessly reported the death of the wrong brother. But Alfred Nobel was shocked by what the newspaper had to say about him. He saw himself for the first time as the rest of the world saw him. The dynamite king. The great industrialist who had made an immense fortune from explosives. This, as far as the general public was concerned, was the entire purpose of his life. None of his true ideals were recognized or given any consideration in his obituary. And and he was quite simply, according to the obituary, a merchant of death. And for that alone, he would be remembered. Well, as he read his own obituary that day with horror... It became a moment of epiphany for him. And on that day, Alfred Nobel resolved to make clear to the world the true meaning of his life. And this would be done through the final disposition of his fortune. His last will and testament would be the expression of his life's ideals. And the result was the most valued of prizes given to those who have done the most for the cause of peace. In the world. What a dramatic breakthrough that moment of of epiphany was for the man for whom the Nobel Peace Prize was named. There are some biblical scholars who contend that our scripture lesson for today contains a eureka moment for Jesus. He had gone out into the wilderness to hear this fiery evangelist that he knew about named John the Baptist. He wanted to hear him preach in the wilderness. And when the invitation was given for baptism, Jesus stepped forward. Now, we don't know what that baptism represented in Jesus's mind. Obviously, it was not for the cleansing of his sins. Perhaps it was for an act of, of identification with the life of righteousness that John was proclaiming. But whatever the reason, Jesus stepped down into that water and was baptized 
by John. And at that moment, something came over Jesus. At that moment, Jesus had a eureka experience, an epiphany, if you will. Luke tells us that while he was praying, standing in that water, having just been baptized, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son whom I love. And with you I am well pleased. My friends, this was a dramatic moment in the life of Jesus. A time of realization. A eureka experience. And how important these experiences are in our lives. I want to ask you about some epiphanies that you may have experienced in your own life this morning. For example, when was it that you first realized the majesty of God? Was it the beauty and grandeur of creation that first evoked that realization in your life? Roy Smith tells about an aged and scholarly minister with a flair for astronomy who spent the night out on a California mountaintop with a group of youth from his church. It so happened that a little after midnight, two great stars came into conjunction and and, and made a a fabulous display in the heavens. And and, uh, this dear old man went from sleeping bag to sleeping bag, shaking them and, and shouting, get up! Get up. Don't miss this. Don't let God Almighty put on such a show as this for just this old mule and me. My friends, anyone who is sensitive to the beauty of nature sees God every day. Anyone who has seen the rainbows of Hawaii or the mountains of Montana the great crevasse of the Grand Canyon, or the beautiful sunsets in western Kentucky cannot help but to be inspired by the majesty of God. So when was it that you first realized the majesty of God? Perhaps it was at the birth of your first child. What greater miracle in all of creation is there than this? The birth of a brand new human being. And as we watch that child learn to learn to smile and to make sounds, then to talk and to walk and finally to grow into a mature person, as we see all of that, we are led to the dramatic realization that there is more to life than mere physics and and chemistry for you see behind creation stands a creator so when was it that you first realized the majesty of God here's a second question about an epiphany in your life when was it that you first realized your own inadequacy to deal with life's critical issues We are inadequate, you know. We are. I know that may be news to some of you. But we are inadequate. There is much in life about which we simply cannot control. We have no control over them. We can't do anything about some things that come our way. Dick Emmons wrote a humorous but somewhat plaintive little poem that was published a while back in Golf Digest. Some of you golfers will certainly appreciate the truth of this poem. It goes like this. I bought a set of brand new clubs and rushed out to the tee. The brand new clubs are really great, but I'm the same old me. (laughs) I'm the same old me. I'm sure that each one of us could sing that sad refrain from time to time, couldn't we? We have a world of good intentions, but very little ever really changes. And it's not that we don't want to do better. It's not that we don't have the natural gifts to do better. But somewhere in our makeup, some 
vital element is missing. So when was it that you first realized your personal inadequacy? Maybe it was a time of crisis, a time of great disappointment. They come to us all. Sometimes we feel like that deep sea diver who had scarcely reached the bottom of the ocean when a frantic message came from the surface, come up quickly, the ship is sinking. Caught between a rock and a hard place, we call it. On the horns of a dilemma. And we've all been there, haven't we? A time when we, when things come crashing down upon our lives and all we can say is, Oh God, help me. When was it that you first realized your own inadequacy? Maybe it was while someone that you loved lay critically ill. Remember all of those promises that you made, all of the the good things that you said you would do if only God would somehow intervene in that situation. Many years ago, Burt Reynolds was in a movie called The End. There was a scene at the end of the movie in which Burke's character decided to commit suicide and he attempts to drown himself in the ocean by swimming out as far as he could. But then, as he was far away from the shore, he changes his mind. And he turns around and he, and he swims back towards the distant shoreline. And by this time, he's exhausted. He's not sure he can make it. And, and so he makes all kinds of extravagant promises to God. If only God will let him get back to the shore safely. However, as he creeps closer and closer to the shore, something interesting happens because, you see, the promises become less and less extravagant. Until finally he reaches the shore safely and he cancels the whole agreement with God. He's safe. Why make promises to God now? We've probably been guilty of that. When was it that you first realized the majesty of God? When was it when you first realized your own personal inadequacy? And then one final question. When was it that you realized that you are God's own child? Well, not in the same way that Jesus heard the voice from heaven saying, You are my son whom I love. It's obvious that Jesus' relationship with God was unique. He was the Son of God. And yet he taught us to pray, our Father. So you see, I, I, I too am a child of God and so are you. In fact, if you'll remember last week, we were talking about that passage of Scripture in Ephesians that tells us that That God has adopted us as God's own children. Children of the King. We are God's children. When did you realize that? C.S. Lewis, the, the great British writer, began his life as a skeptic. He did not believe in God. He was afraid to believe in God. He didn't... He was a rational thinker. He was a... A, a man of, of, of thoughts and, 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 and logic and rationality. He did not believe in God. He had many Christians in his circle of friends and they often debated the, the issues of faith. But Lewis was afraid to give in to the demands of God. But finally, there came that moment of realization, that epiphany, that eureka moment that John was talking about a few moments ago, when suddenly his his eyes were opened and he saw the truth that all you have to do is to trust in Jesus Christ, to believe in Him, and to love Him. He writes that that which I, I greatly feared had at last come true or at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and admitted 
that God was God. And I knelt. And I prayed. C.S. Lewis, who has influenced so many hundreds of thousands of millions of people around the world with his writings about God, he came reluctantly to God. But the world was greatly blessed when he finally had that Eureka experience and his eyes were opened. Many years ago, some doctors in Ohio, in an Ohio penitentiary, performed an experiment. They believed that an operation on a man's brain would change him and rid him of his criminal tendencies. And so there was a prisoner in this penitentiary who submitted to this operation. He volunteered for this operation. But the operation did not work. The man was released from prison, but soon he was back in prison again for other crimes that he committed. Here's the point. In order for a person to really be changed, that person must have a change of heart. So when was it that you first realized the majesty of God? When was it that you first realized your own personal inadequacy to deal with the critical issues of life? That you needed a change of heart? And when was it that you first realized that you, yourself, are God's own child? Perhaps for someone it has happened just today. Perhaps today is your epiphany moment, I don't know, your eureka moment when you are becoming aware that that God really does love you and God really does want you to be his child. That you can't do it on your own. But the Lord of all creation has chosen you, you, to love, to forgive to lead into the most joyous and the most meaningful life that you can possibly live. Maybe you are coming to that realization at this very moment. And if that is the case, then today is today of your Eureka. A day when, when, it, when you suddenly realize what Christ has done for you. And if that's the case, please pray this prayer with me. Lord, you are my God. And I need you. I cannot make it on my own. I need you to change my heart. Change my priorities and change my purpose for living. Help me to bear the image of your son in whose name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing. Very appropriate song, I think. How great thou art. And we're going to sing the first three verses of this song. It's a song that talks about the majesty of God. How great thou art. And it's a song that talks about the greatness of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. As we sing this song, you have an opportunity to respond to the work of God in your life. There may be someone here today who is having that eureka experience this morning who is coming to the realization finally that that God does want me as his child and God's willing to forgive even me because I know that I can't do it by myself. By myself, I'm a nobody. By myself, I'm a failure. I cannot live up. But with God,
that doesn't matter. That's what grace is all about. And perhaps you are coming to that realization today and it's time for you to make that commitment like C.S. Lewis did to say yes to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been a skeptic all your life, but it's time to open your heart and allow Christ to take up residence there and to guide you and to lead you and to forgive you and love you and make you his child. If you've never done that, I hope you'll do it today. If you're looking for a church home to be a part of, we invite you to unite with our church today. If you need a time of prayer, come and let's pray. We invite you to do this as we sing hymn number 10. How great thou art. Would you come? we are prone to equate winter days with barrenness and desolation 
And when we do, we are just as likely to believe that you are as far away as the colors of spring and fall. But into the dark places of our lives, you place a star of hope. May we always be faithful to you, O God, faithful against all odds. Help us not to be deterred by fatigue or rejection or despair. Let us consider ourselves, let us not consider ourselves too powerful or too wealthy to enter into the homes of those who know too much of the winter cold. Instead, let us love the many faces of your world and not be afraid of the the strange and the new. At every turn, we are blessed by your love continually and insistently sustaining us through your word that gives us strength to continue along our winter pilgrimage, searching for your light to guide our way. And as we leave here today, O God, we do so with the knowledge and the affirmation of how great you really are. Allow us that awareness each day of our lives, knowing that you are God and we are your child. Amen.